0: what's normal anyway we've been looking the last number of weeks looking in the book of acts and trying to answer the question what's normal anyway what's normal for us as christians in a world where everything is rapidly changing where what what seemed normal yesterday is not normal today i didn't think there'd be a day when people with purple hair would be considered normal um, <laughs> I didn't mean that, Alina. <laughs> um, but I'm just saying, I'm just saying, where it was just normal. Can I tell you a great story? That someone said, I might be here, I don't mean to embarrass anybody. But that someone said, and we talked about this in our small group, they said, I know I can come to church because there was this lady there with pink hair. Was this new person, and I said, Praise the Lord, you know what? If God wants you to have pink hair, have pink hair remember a guy one time who came to Christ in our church. He had a ponytail down to here, and he, was gonna, and he was a bass player for us. And his name was Chad. And Chad goes, you know, Pastor, I've got to cut my hair. And I said, why? He goes, because oh, none of you look like that. And I said, yeah, but does God want you to cut? Don't cut your hair unless God wants you to. Because you reach people that I can't. They look at me, and they say, what a boring, uptight guy. The people you, he was an art major. And he's like, your art major friends don't listen to me. Um, but they'll listen to you. And so the cool thing is what's normal anyways? Normal is in flux. What normal is some of that kind of stuff means nothing. It means nothing. The church world has blown it forever. Focusing on things like what's your hair look like? Do you wear a suit? You know, all that external nonsense. You know, we focused on it, but that's not that's not where it's at. It's at what's going on in here with Jesus. Is he real? That's what it's about. So we've been trying to answer these questions, what's normal anyway? And what we've been doing is doing the, looking at the, the one thing that we know we can always trust. And what is that? The word, of what? the word of God. We're looking at God's Word, the Bible, and saying, you show us what's normal. We've primarily been looking at the book of Acts. That's our starting place because the book of Acts is the history book within the Bible of the brand new fledgling church that, that Jesus birthed 2,000 years ago. And it gives us 28 chapters of kind of snapshots of what the early church looked like. And we're saying, okay, if they hadn't drifted far, obviously. So they they walked with Jesus. They heard his teachings. We talked about the Apostle Paul today. You know, he said, God told me this. Jesus told me this. So we say, this is real. And so if it was normal for them, what would be normal for us? We've been trying to look at that over the last number of weeks and will for a couple of months now. What's normal anyway? And as we've been doing this, this is a couple weeks into it now. I'm wondering something. I'm, gonna, I'm giving you a little test, okay? See if you're paying attention to kind of where we've been as a church for a long time. I'm wondering if you've been noticing the last couple of weeks that um, as, we're, as we're doing this, that some of the topics that we started with seem rather familiar. That we talked about worship um, week two. We started off with fasting and prayer because it was our fasting and prayer week. But um, worship... And then we talked about mentoring, Pastor Mitch preached about mentoring, and uh, way to go, Pastor Mitch, I heard it was just phenomenal, I haven't listened to it yet, but all I heard was just rave reviews, thank you. Isn't it great having a great staff and a great team? Amen. And this week we're going to look at, so we looked at worship, we looked at mentoring, which is another word for discipleship, and we looked at, this week we're going to look at connecting authentically with people in God's family. All right, who just said it? Part alright you, Pete. All right. You're, we're, um, these are familiar because these, and we don't have to put that up. Quite, you can put the other one up here right now. Put the colored one up. We'll get to him in a few minutes. Um, that these should sound familiar, and I'll explain this in a few minutes, because these are three, so far, three of the five biblical purposes that the church is to focus its effort on. You see, as the Church of Jesus Christ, you need to understand something. We don't invent or dream up what we're to put our energy into or engage into. A lot of times people would think this is like a business. You just run it and say, what should we do? What do they want and give it to them? That's a Harvard Business principle. A guy went to Harvard Business School, wrote a book. His name slips my mind. And he concluded that a number of years ago. What they, just give them what they want. Well, guess what? That's not what the church is supposed to do. A lot of churches are doing that today. And it's going to have what one generation that's going to fall apart. Just give them what they want. Um, rather, we look at, we don't dream up what we're to engage in. Rather, we look at Scripture and we see what the Bible says we are to do. And as we look in the Bible and we say, what did the early church do? We see very clearly that there's five distinct activities that the church engaged in. And that these aren't anything new, but these five things are the historical purposes of the Christian church. Matter of fact, I remember the very first church we planted, Marquette, Michigan, 1991. And the very first sermon I preached was the, the purpose, the fivefold purpose of the church, which just came straight out of scripture. The fivefold purpose of the church. And here at Portview, we have a way that we created, right here, to help us remember the five things so that we can examine. There's a reason why we created a, a visual. So that we can examine our personal lives and see if we are engaging in these five areas, that I can look, and I'm going to explain these in a second, I can look and say, am I engaging in worship? And if I don't engage in worship, I know something's missing in my life. And I can evaluate my life. I can say, am I going through life walking on one leg because I'm not involved in serving? And so we created a a tool for us to, to be able to examine ourselves, but not ourselves just as individuals, but also a tool that we can use as our church leadership to say, are we engaging in doing the things that God says in his word we ought to be involved in? So we came up with this, with this idea of, of, we call him Portview Pete. I tried to rename his name to Portview Pat because it could be a guy or a girl. Just can't deal with it, man. It's Portview Pete. That's what we, we came up with in our LDR team leadership meetings we had for two years to come up with this and some other stuff. And so the Portview Pete, this is who we are. This is our way of saying these are the five things that scriptures tell us we should um, be engaged in and that your individual life should be engaged in. Now, here's my question. Do you have port repeat on the magnet refrigerator in your house? All right. Some of you are new to church and say, what are you talking about? At our Connection tent Center, there are magnets that you can take that look just like this. Take one of them and stick it on your refrigerator. So it reminds you of what the church is supposed to do. But it also reminds you of what you're supposed to do, what what parts of your life should be growing and developing and where you should engage your life, your act, the energy of your life into. And so and and also just grab your bulletin once. You got a bulletin? Look in the top left corner. You know, open it up. What do you see right in the top left corner? The five purposes of the church. We do our best to remind us all the time. This isn't, just for, this isn't just so that I remember what we're doing. This is so we can all grow. The idea of a church is to lead people to Jesus, but then to disciple them, to help them become like Jesus. And so what we're trying to always do is remind us where are we headed. We're always headed somewhere. We're headed towards Christ-likeness, and, and this is how we get there, the, accomplishing the purpose of the church. So five purposes for God's church. And you could say it this way. What was normal for the early church to engage in, to do, to accomplish? The five-fold purpose of the church. Starting at the top with worship. Worshiping God. And what we've done, what we've done is we have a, a little saying, a way we say every one of these, that's unique to our congregation, that really fits our personality. So we start with worship. We worship God with our lives. Then I'm going to talk about today connecting, connecting authentically with people in God's family, which is talking about community. We have influencing seekers to find Jesus, which is maybe reaching. It's talking about influencing people to come to know Jesus. That's evangelism. We have mentoring people towards Christ-like living. That's what Pastor Mitch talked about, which is really just talking about discipleship. And then we have serving passionately with the love of Jesus. You know, Scripture says the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to lay down his life a ransom for many. So the model we have from Jesus is that we're servants. You know, when we look at what was normal for the early church to engage in the things that they were supposed to do. These are the five things that we find. So these are things that we as individual Christians as a church put our efforts into. And this is how I want you to understand it. As people who care. Remember that's our motto? It's our motto. Why, why would you say, you say you're confusing me? If this is the purpose, then shouldn't that be our motto? No. Our mission, our motto, is to become the people we're supposed to be on the inside. That's loving. That's people who care. Love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. So as people who care, people who are filled with love, then the things that we engage in, the things that are the outflow, the things that we do as a church, as individuals, really are summed up in these five things. That people who care worship and they connect authentically with people in the body of Christ and they influence seekers to find Jesus and they mentor people towards Christ-like living and they serve passionately with the love of Jesus that if our hearts are right, these are the outflows of our lives. Now, over the last couple of years, as we have evaluated, used PETE as an evaluation tool, we've looked at the five purposes. We found that we were really weak in one area. We're always looking a bit better, right? So as, as you will find your weak in areas, as a church, we looked at it as leadership team and said we're really weak in one area. And the area we were the weakest in was connecting authentically with people in God's family. We were really good. The church is really good at coming together and singing songs and hooting and hollering and having worship. But then as strangers walked in and strangers walked out, and there wasn't a whole lot of community. And we recognized from the Scripture that that wasn't God's plan. So a year ago in 2013, we launched our Connect Group ministry um, and we order, in order to get better at this. And I can say this one year later. Praise the Lord. We are, as a congregation, doing a lot better at connecting together in real relationships. Many of you are, are doing life together with others in God's family in this family through connect groups or some other small group, but through this idea of connecting with other people personally. And you see, what I want you to understand today is that's exactly what we see as normal for the early church. Grab your Bible with me once and look at, at Acts chapter 2. You find a lot of things that we're looking at what's normal in church flow out of Acts chapter 2 because that's kind of the, the launch pad. The church was birthed right then and we see kind of a, a picture of what the early church was like. And look at Acts chapter 2 with me. If you're visiting, you don't have a Bible in underneath the seat in front of you there are Bibles. You're welcome to take one if you don't have a Bible of your own. Keep that. It's our gift to you. We'd love you to, love you to have the word of God. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 41. We're going to read down to verse 40 through 47. It says this. So then those who had received his word were baptized. That was Peter preaching. And a whole bunch got saved. And that day there were added about 3,000 souls. So 3,000 people got saved in one sermon. That's a good day of preaching, right? Verse 42. And this is now the snapshot of what it looked like. After How did those 3,000 people live? What were their lives like? This is the snapshot. It says, And they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. As we look at this picture, this snapshot of normalcy, remember that's what we're looking for, what's normal anyway? As we look at this snapshot of normalcy for the early church, as I look at this, one of the things that kind of jumps off the page to me is this idea of authentic community, of relational community. Look at the description of what they did, what we just read. Look at some of the words. It says, they had fellowship. They were eating together. They were praying together. They had all things in common. They were sharing with those in need within their community. They were going from house to house. Look at verse 46. That they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. They were, they were connected. They loved each other. They liked to be together. They lived out this idea of, of connecting authentically with people in God's family. You see, they understood something that we need to understand. They understood that God's church is to be a place to belong. It's not a place to go. It's a place to belong. That God's church is supposed to be a family. That who we really are is brothers and sisters in Christ gathering together, bound together by the blood of Christ. That the church is this close-knit relational community. They understood something that sometimes we don't get. That the church isn't a place. How often we think when you say church, we say, you know, I go to, I go to church. To the church. That's really not biblical. It's not scriptural. That ch- church isn't a place. That the church is a gathering of people who've come to know Jesus. And because they've come to know Jesus, they're connected together. Friends, that's why we took communion together. A little while ago, there was a big movement a few years ago of people taking communion at home. And I'm not opposed to people taking communion at home, but it was a big wave through the church. Everybody was taking communion at home. And that's fine, but it misses something because Scripture says when you come together, you're supposed to take communion for a reason, that whenever you gather, you take communion, because communion is, it symbolizes the unity that we have in Christ. That the one thing that ties us all together is that we have come to know Jesus and his blood has cleansed us from our sins. That that ties us together. Friend, that the strongest bond that there is in the universe is this bond. Because it's the only eternal bond there is. You know what? You're bound with your biological family and that's wonderful. But someday you all die. And if some of your biological family knows Jesus and some don't, the Bible talks about separation. But when you're with the, with, with the family of God, you are bound together with the, with the strongest bond there is because you are bound together with an eternal bond, the blood of Christ. When someone comes to Jesus, they become the children of God eternally. John chapter 1, verse 12 says this. It says, But as many as received Jesus... To them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. That when you come to Christ, you become children of God. And as children, what are we? If we're children of God, then we're brothers and sisters. If we're all children of God. And when we take communion together, one of the things that we are reminded of is that as children of God, we are brothers and sisters in God's family, eternally connected together. I want you to do something right now. Some of you, you know, you were raised like me in church, and you think, it's like when you clap, we just, it blows your mind. You're like, who could do that in church? Raise your hands, man, that's bizarre. But you, you were raised like me, that if, if I turned my head in church, I've told you this, you guys know, if I turned my head, my dad slapped me. You weren't allowed to turn your head. You just stayed there and be bored, you know. And you slapped just make sure your head goes down, straight. Don't <laughs> let anybody know. But do something with me once. Look at the people sitting around you. Just look around for a second. Look around. These aren't just people who decided to attend an event this morning. These are your true brothers and sisters. Because you're bound by the blood of Christ. You're united by the blood of Christ. This is not just biological family. Some of you have biological family here. But no, there's something more. These are born-again children of God for every person who knows Jesus. And all of us have an eternal connection bound together by the blood of Jesus. And let me tell you something. That's why this rather new, 25 years or so, American consumeristic Christianity that's being developed is so wrong and so dangerous this idea that people just pick and choose what they want where they want it when they want it they kind of just shop consumerly consumerly consumeristically for spiritual whatever church a for kids program and church b for worship and church c for preaching or just stay at home and watch my favorite guy on TV, or become part of the church that just, that just, that just puts it on their, on their uh, website, and you just become part of the TV church world. The pro- there's a problem with that. It's dangerous. The problem with that is that it doesn't create a close-knit relational community that God desires for his church. Then when we look at the five-fold reason for the church, one of them is connecting authentically. We look at the early church, that's what they did. They connected authentically. They were together. And this kind of modern trend ignores one of the five basic purposes for God's church. And that's family. It's community. It's connecting authentically with people in God's family. And it's not going the right way. And so, you know what I do? You can, you can, you know, you can complain, you can grumble, or we can just make sure we do it different. Right? I'm not, they, the world can do what they want to do, but we can just be different and not go down that path. And so let's not. Let's understand that what God brought bring us together to create authentic community, real relationships with one, another, with one another. So, developing a relational community, we see from Acts, was just normal living for the early church. They spent all this time together. Um, but have you ever stopped and asked yourself how they did it? How did they really accomplish that? We see the reason I started reading not in Acts 42, but in Acts 41. Was to remind us that thousands of people had just come to Christ, brand new, just met Jesus. How did thousands of people become a community? How do you relate to thousands of people? You want to know how you relate to thousands of people? You don't. You can't relate to thousands of people. Matter of fact, another misnomer in the church world is that a pastor should relate to every person in the church. Every time somebody's in a hospital, pastor should go. Every time somebody's got a hiccup, pastor should go. Now, that sounds really nice, but it doesn't allow the church to become what it's supposed to be, a relational community where we minister and love one another, minister to and love one another. Um, So pastors a lot of times have a uh, um, codependent personality and codependent needs, so they need everybody to need them. And so they create a a, a very closed community that um, is every dependent on a pastor. We're not supposed to be dependent on a pastor, are we? We're supposed to be dependent on Jesus, by a spirit, right? And so what we see, we see something in this text from from Acts two that helps us understand how thousands of people created authentic community so that we see what they did and we can do it ourselves. These thousands of brothers and sisters, what's it say, verse forty-six again? I pointed it out before. They were breaking bread from house to house, and they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity. Of heart. That big crowd was divided into small groups where they met in homes and they got to know each other. Where they helped each other, says it in the text. Where they're able to challenge each other. Matter of fact, I'll say this: you will never grow the way God intends for you to grow if you don't have real Christian community. You will be stuck until you put yourself in a position and you open up yourselves and you make yourself vulnerable enough. Some of you aren't vulnerable that no one would ever dare. Correct you because you're uncorrectable, especially us guys. But in real community, people can correct you because they love you enough to challenge you. But they, what do we see in the text? They did life together. They did things like it says they, they ate and they prayed and they helped. Those are all spiritual things. They just helped each other. They spent time together. They, they had gladness together. They played first century Scrabble or whatever it was. You know, I'm not sure what it was. But they were glad together. They helped each other. They corrected each other. Friends, and here is a reality in the church family. It takes time to get to know other people. And it takes time and effort to build relationships where people can be honest and transparent. And it also takes permission for people to be honest able to speak into each other's lives. So understand this. So since time is a limited commodity, how many of you have more time than you know what to do with? None. How many of you can create more time? None. Time is the most valuable limited commodity on the, in our lives because the clock is ticking from birth till death. So since time is a limited commodity... A person can only do life with a few other people. That's what they had here. There is a need to break the big group into many small groups. And one of the ways we've tried to create that around here is through the development of our Connect Group ministry. Now, there's a model that we have adopted to help us understand how to do this properly in our church. Anybody remember the model we created a while back and how to do this properly, the big group and the small group, how it works? Yeah, I know it's cheating when your wife tells you, right? Um, Be friends with many. Be close with a few, and have issues with none. That's how we. That's how we do it in our church. Be friends with many. I'm friends with everybody. You know, I always tease. You know, if if no one's here to talk to, I'll talk to Gary's guitar. You know, I'll become its friend. I'm friends. I want to be friends with everybody. Be friends with many. Be close with a few but have issues with none. Don't let, don't let the sun go down in your anger. If you've got bitterness and resentment and offense, deal with it. Be friends with many. Be close with a few. Have issues with none. Creating a close-knit community is about becoming um, close with a few. Committing, and I use that word on purpose, committing to meet regularly, to pray regularly, to help each other out regularly. Listen to me, friends. Listen. It's in this environment of of being friends with a few, close with a few. It's in this environment that we really experience the love that Christianity is all about. That you can't really give or receive genuine love among people who don't really know each other. Just hugging somebody on Sunday is a very limited expression of real love. Deep Christian love is experienced and expressed between people who become close with each other and that takes time and it takes commitment. And some of you, I'm telling you, need to hear this today. I need to remind myself of it today. Because the reason at times we aren't experiencing, really experiencing the joy and fulfillment of Christian love is because we don't drop our guards and get close enough to other Christian people in order to receive and give real love. Real Christianity is about real love, and real love only grows in real relationships. And that's why we need to be close to a few. That's why you need to be in some kind of a small group, whether it's a connect group, or it's a men's group, or it's a woman's group. You need to be in some group where you give people permission to speak into your life, and you are given permission to speak into other people's lives, and you do life together. You spend time together. You laugh together. You cry together. You pray together. See, friends, God has so much more for you than just going to church. If it's just going to church, you know what? It gets boring. You don't like something. You get offended. You don't like a sermon topic. You don't like a worship style. And you just leave and go to another church. And I've watched it for for 30 years as a pastor now, 25 years as a pastor, and you get offended with that one, and you don't like something there, so you leave and you go to the next one. And then they don't like something there, so they don't like there, and they go to the next one, and then they decide to stay at home, and then they go to another one. I've watched it for 25 years. You don't experience real Christianity. It's not, you miss all the joy, all the fulfillment of what God intends for his church. God has so much more than just going to a church. There is more than just coming into this building and sitting in a pew and staring at the back of the head of a person in front of you and singing some nice songs with a worship team and listening to a sermon that's preached and maybe going on an event. There's so much more than that. Just coming here and then going home. You know what? Facebook community isn't enough. If you think, but I've got 427 friends on Facebook and I stay connected, I'm telling you that God has more for you than that. It comes by being close with a few, being vulnerable with a few, being honest with a few. See, friends, God wants you to experience his kind of love on earth. He is something more than the world offers. He wants you to experience his kind of love on earth, and he created the church community as a place to experience that where we connect with a few others from the larger body and we do life together with them, giving and receiving love, praying together, laughing together, playing together, crying together, working together, being there for each other in the good times and the bad. And I want you to understand, if you understand nothing else, that doesn't happen by accident. You and I need to commit to a few others, make them a priority in life, Because when we look at the book of Acts, and we look at the rest of Scripture, we see that's what is normal anyway for the children of God, connecting authentically with people in God's family. That's what God has for us. That's the place you find real life. That's where you experience real joy. It's that American individualism that says it's just about me. It's not. Christianity was never intended to be lived in a vacuum, nor is it intended to be consumeristic that you come in and you go out. You connect with a few people, become brothers and sisters in Christ. We are that anyways, but we live it out. And so I just challenge you, if you've been really good at, staying arm's length, keeping everybody out there, here's the reason you do that. Here's the reason I do it, because we're wounded, we're hurt. We're afraid that somebody might say something that offends us. I'm telling you this, God's created the church. Are we perfect? Absolutely not. Am I perfect? Not even close. Boy, there's a lot of heads saying no. Um, not There were. Uh, not even close. And I don't claim to be. We're not. But a bunch of imperfect people who are really doing their best to love Jesus and love one another, that's where we experience what no one else in the planet can experience because we're bound together by the Spirit of God. Forgiven, born again, brothers and sisters in Christ with an eternal bond walking through these days together. And that is where we experience the true love of Christ, this side of eternity. And that's what he has for you. So if you've, been living, if you've become a master at this, I'm not saying you have a whole bunch of friends. I'm not saying you don't have a, you know, 300 people on your cell phone and, and 500 people on Facebook. I'm not saying that. but that's, that's limited. That's friends with many. But if you're good at doing this, God wants you to do this. And embrace a few. Embrace a few, become close with a few. Be honest with a few. And experience the genuine, transforming power of community. Because that's what God has for us. That's how he wants us to grow and change. And I want nothing more than the best for you and for me. So, we all make choices. There's, there's okay and good, and there's the best. I challenge us as a church. Let's be people who choose the best. Because God has great things for us. Amen? Would you stand with me this morning? As you looked around this morning at the people in this congregation, it's a great group. Amen. Wonderful people. Great people to connect with. I told, I told Brett this morning, I said, we were all, you were all worshiping. I looked at him, I said, Brett, look around. It does get better than this. Bunch of people just celebrating Jesus. It's awesome. Heaven practice. And there's, God wants to connect you with a few to become close, we'll be launching another, another thing coming up March. March 23rd at 6. Thank you, Pastor Chris, who's, who's developing our, our Connect Group ministry. Well, we're going to have more people who want to get involved in Connect Groups. March 23rd, Sunday night, 6 p.m., we're going to have another group. We're going to be tweaking our Connect Groups a little bit. We're, we're learning we're going to have to open them up. We kind of started with closed groups. We're going to have to make some change. We'll be talking about that. Kind of opening some of them. We're going to say, will you please open up to new people? And uh, so we're making some changes in 2014 to make them better. But we're all about that. We're about getting better, right? We don't have figured out yet, What we're going in the right direction. And God, look look around. Look what God's doing. Wonderful people. God's doing great things. Father, thank you that it's all about you. Thank you that we could join together today in this wonderful... Um, large group gathering and celebrate together with brothers and sisters in Christ, we can celebrate, we can rejoice we can learn, we can be challenged we can take communion together we can be blessed God, I also know that as we look into your word, that you want to take from within this group and you want to cause us to come close with a few people, begin to lay in our hearts, God, maybe who that might be with Some people, God, have 30-year relationships with people, and that's wonderful. Thank you for that. Let that thrive and grow and bless. But some, God, are feeling all alone. They're even in a group like this today, and they feel alone. But, God, that's not your plan. Your plan is for all of us to have arms wide open. You want to connect some people together. Just intimate connections with a small group. God, we pray, guide and direct us as we continue to figure this out. Help us, God, as we continue to try to do what's normal and really fly in the face of a culture around us because we know it takes time and energy and that means some other things have to go because we can't do everything. So, God, help us to choose what's always best, best for us to become who you want us to be so that we can be used of you in mightier, mightier and greater ways we want your best, God. I want your best for every person, God, in this place.